Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On Wednesday, March 17th, the wait will be over. It's the Chicago Reader's Best of Chicago Awards 2020. The polls are now closed, but you can still review the finalists and who won the Best of Chicago in 2019 at ChicagoReader.com. All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, March 4th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Once a month, Dave Glowatz appears in the show not to discuss bicycles. Uh, Dave Glowatz joins us once a month to discuss the Chicago City Council, does a great job of piecing together relevant uh, quotes and exchanges between the aldermen and the mayor, and it all illuminates how Chicago politics really works, how our city really works. So, Dave, take it away, young man. First, I want to say happy March 4th to you and to, to Dennis. And do you remember what uh, what sort of commemoration we're having today on March 4th? Yes, we uh, before you came on, we were discussing this. Uh, it is Chicago's. I would not have known this if Dennis hadn't told me. It's Chicago's 184th birthday. I did not know this again until Dennis told me. Uh, he gave me trivia questions that he took from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, I think he gave me about 10. I got one right. I was a total disaster uh, at the trivia. I really don't know much about Chicago trivia. And, and, and Dave, if I share this with you, I have this like thing about Chicago. Like I really struggle with it. Like the stuff that Chicagoans take pride in, I don't take pride in. You know what I'm saying? Like, like so I got my issues. Who? LaSalle. LaSalle, yeah, I don't take great pride in LaSalle. <laughs> None of it. None of it. The stuff that Chicago is, oh, boy, the field museum, the the, the aquarium. I, you know, I just, I, I'm so anti, like, civic Chicago. I need help. You know, I just. Here's, here's trivia about LaSalle. There's, you know, there's a statue uh, just north of North Avenue at LaSalle Street. Right yes. on the edge of Lincoln Park, it's LaSalle looking south. Have you seen this? It's a pretty big statue. It's, a, yes. I think it's about, I don't know, eight feet tall or something like that. I think he's eight feet tall on a pedestal. And I don't think it's being considered for removal, by the way. Oh, that, that, yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. So, uh, what do you got they, for me, RK? They took the statue down a bunch of years ago because they were doing some rehab to the intersection. And before they took the statue down, LaSalle was looking directly down LaSalle. When we put it back up, he was skewed slightly, so he's no longer looking down LaSalle. So he's looking go. at North Avenue. I don't know what he's looking at. Oh. Because uh, everybody I go, I go by, I go, what are you looking at? You know, I've uh I used to ride my bike by there all the time. I've been on my bike in a long time. Check it out. Uh, check it out next time. So uh go ahead, young man. Well, what do you got? Of, speaking of Chicago, uh as you might know, a meeting of the Chicago City Council was scheduled. 
for February 24. And it took place, but it was unexpectedly adjourned about halfway through. Dennis, we're going to do kidding first. And the first indication that anyone got that this would happen, this adjournment, is what we're going to listen to in just a minute. Before that, I'll say that most of what happened during the meeting was pretty routine until it wasn't. And the initial part of the meeting included Alderman honoring the recently deceased former Chicago Teachers Union president, Karen Lewis. That took about 45 minutes. Then right after that, a bunch of aldermen spoke in support of a resolution recognizing Black History Month. One of the aldermen who spoke was Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez of the 33rd Ward. We're gonna hear just the last thing she said, and then we'll hear the voice of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Let's listen. I'm really thankful for all my colleagues and all the Black people that have contributed to make this city a better place for all. Thank you, Madam. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Thank you, Alderwoman. The chair recognizes Alderman Jim Gardner. Dennis, we're going to do adjourn next. So I'll just say two things about that clip. One is I I really had to enhance the audio of the mayor's remark there because she did say it under her breath. If you were were just watching the video, the second thing is that she wasn't looking at her screen when she said that. She was looking down at her desk. And what she was reacting to was reported by Heather Sharon of WTTW Channel 11, who said that uh, Lori Lightfoot got notice of what was about to happen, which I'll explain in a moment. But let me pause there in case you want to talk about this particular remark. I know you've already talked about it a bunch. Yeah. And we had Rosanna uh, Rodriguez Sanchez on the show last week. I urge everybody to check out that interview because we talked about this at length. I've thought a lot about it. And I I don't believe there was anything Lori Lightfoot did in this exchange that was right. And uh, so I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and uh, say that she was responding to something other than what Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez had said, okay? Uh, Raylo, Raymond Lopez, we're going to get into this, disputes this point, but I'm going to give her the benefit of that, uh, David, and say that she was responding to something that an aide told her. What does Lopez think she was responding to? I don't know, but he said that, uh, well, we'll get, I cannot uh, say what he, I, we, I think we have to bring on what you're going to say next before I talk about what Raylo says. Okay. But, uh, I'm really, but, I'm really uh, curious about that. Yeah. So, but put that aside. Let's just, let's, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and assume that she was not responding to what Rosetta Rodriguez Sanchez said when she said, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like she wasn't demeaning uh, Rosetta Rodriguez Sanchez comments. What clearly it exhibited and just demonstrated is that she wasn't listening to Ro, uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. Ro, Rosanna was uh, the alderwoman of the 33rd Ward, Dennis's alderman, uh, alderwoman, was speaking from her heart about black history, speaking from her heart about the connections between uh, Puerto Ricans and uh, African-Americans, and speaking from her heart in general about the need to have better race relations, and Lori Lightfoot wasn't listening. 
So I'm laughing because it's like your your point's a good one, Dave, because you start off by saying there was 45 minutes of testimony uh, on, to uh, the greatness of Karen Lewis. Most of it is the people who were testifying on her behalf resisted her, fought her every step of the way. So it is a little disingenuous and difficult to listen to some of the praise Karen Lewis. And so, yes, I'm not surprised that Lori Lightfoot wasn't listening to Rosanna. Her uh, attention Rosanna. wandered. Her attention wandered. And so the appropriate thing to do when it's clear, when you've been caught not paying attention to what somebody is saying, is to apologize. It's not that hard, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I am sorry. I feel bad. That was insulting. It's not It's not like common practice to ignore somebody when they're speaking. So and you're so the mayor, you're saying the mayor should have apologized. Yes. And that you got, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> well done, David. He'll be at Zany's next week. Uh, so, <laughs> well, so, yes. Well, so we talk about what she was responding to. Go ahead, young man. Go a little bit of background. Last year, as we all, I think, probably know, last year, Congress passed the CARES Act, which made cities like Chicago eligible for a federal reimbursement of some COVID-19 related expenses. This year, the administration proposed applying some of that reimbursement to the city's 2021 budget, which the city council's budget committee approved on this past February 19th. But many aldermen didn't like how the funds were allocated. So in the full city council meeting on February 24, when the budget committee chair, Pat Dowell, brought this funding proposal up for a vote, 14th Ward Alderman Ed Burke intervened, which ended up bringing the meeting to a sort of convoluted close. Let's listen. Item number two, a substitute ordinance concerning an amendment to the annual appropriations ordinance year 2021 within fund number 925. I move passage of this item by the same motion if there is no objection. Madam President. The chair recognizes Alderman Burke. Uh, Alderman Lopez moves with me to publish and defer on item two. It'll be reflected in the record. Alderman Mitchell. Madam President, I provide an ordinance to the clerk setting the date and time of the next meeting of the city council, Friday, February 26 at 3 p.m. Madam Clerk, please read the ordinance. The next regular meeting of the city council in accordance with applicable law shall be conducted by video conference on Friday, February 26, 2021, Beginning at 3 p.m. Alderman Mitchell. Move passage in the omnibus. Chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. If you have a question about an unrelated item, I'd ask you to defer, and then we'll finish this business regarding the uh, omnibus. No, Madam Chairman, I have a question regarding the motion to the omnibus. Are we planning on adjourning following this item? There hasn't been a motion presented by it. I would expect us to. Okay, thank you. Alderman Mitchell, I think you were moving for passage in the omnibus. All right, hearing no objection, so ordered. Let's move to the uh, omnibus. Alderman Mitchell. Madam President, I move that matters in the omnibus be passed by the same roll call vote that was used to determine quorum. Hearing no objection, so ordered. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. Thank you, Madam President. I move that we return to the regular order of business. Move to lay that motion on the table. There's a motion to lay on the table Alderman Lopez's motion to return to the regular order of business. All those in favor, of the motion to lay it on the table. Please Roll signify. Call, please. I got it, Alderman Lopez. I heard you. Alderman Lopez, could you let the president finish the sentence first, please? 
Madam Clerk, there is a request by Alderman Lopez for a roll call vote on Alderman Harris's motion to lay on the table the motion to return to the regular order of business. Can you please call the roll? Your Honor, there are 38 yeas, 11 nays. The uh, motion to uh, lay Alderman Lopez's motion on the table is successful. Alderman Mitchell on the motion to adjourn. I move that we adjourn by the same roll call vote that was applied to determine quorum. Hearing no objection. So yes or no, please. Alderman Lopez is a no. Hearing Alderman Lopez's <laughs> objection and no other, the motion is granted. Ladies and gentlemen. Boom, boom. That was the wow. end of that meeting. Please explain to our listeners what just went down there, uh, Dave. And uh, that was, I got to give all these uh, players, by the way, including Lori Lightfoot credit for knowing that Robert's rules were order. I mean, she, she just got elected mayor and she's like a master of it already. So explain to people what was going on there. Go ahead. Well, first of all, um, when Alderman Burke decided with Alderman Lopez that they were going to move to defer this um, this approval of allocation of money, $281.5 million, which we'll talk about in a minute, of CARES Act funding, uh, wanted to defer to the next city council meeting, then that's uh, presumably that was given to Mayor Lightfoot while Alderman Rodriguez Sanchez was speaking. And she said, you got to be fucking kidding me. Then at that point, it was about, I don't know, two hours, two and a half hours into the meeting. And they still had like half the... Uh, committee reports to go through and a bunch of other stuff. And so at that point, we don't know for sure, but uh, we can guess that at that point, the mayor decided we're going to end this meeting so we can have, we can uh, do what the city council rules require, which is the next meeting of the city council cannot be any sooner than 48 hours later. So apparently what she hatched while that, um, right after that uh, the motion by Burke happened is she hatched an idea to adjourn the meeting. So she began uh, feeding, we're guessing now, uh, the person to whom she always asks to make motions about the next city council meeting and moves to adjourn, Alderman Greg Mitchell, to put that forward, that stuff forward. And even Lopez, you heard him at the beginning saying Alderman 15th Ward, Alderman Ray Lopez, said, uh, Madam Chair, are we going to, uh, are you planning to adjourn, are you planning to adjourn the meeting? And she said, uh, if you, it, was, it was really quick, you had to listen close. She said uh, something like, I think so, you know. And so then so what she did is, the, the mayor, she began a series of um, motions, first of all, to inch, first to introduce the date of the next meeting, which he says is going to be the 26th, two days later. And... Uh, so they passed that. So that's right by the way, everybody knew, okay, she's bringing us all back in two days so we can finish this business. And then what we heard was um, Alderman Lopez saying, well, no, I would like to continue with this meeting. Can we making a motion to proceed with business? At which point, uh, Alderman, Eighth Ward Alderman Michelle Harris jumped in and said, I move to lay that on the table, which means strike that, that uh, strike that motion. And uh, then they had uh, they had a vote on that, and uh, that vote that motion to lay Lopez's uh, motion on the table to kick it aside succeeded, and so then Lightfoot uh, got essentially the green light to go ahead and adjourn the meeting. Wow, that was really well done. 
Excellent job, Dave. It didn't happen that quickly, by the way. All that happened probably in about 10 or 15 minutes. There was a lot of hemming and hawing in between. So, And that was masterful uh, editing of tape by Dave Glowat. So let's give him a standing ovation for that one. First of all, it was a great job uh, capturing it, editing it, and then the explanation was great because I couldn't follow it. It was happening so fast. Uh, and, and your point is well taken that when you condense it, it makes it even harder to follow. Uh, but... It, 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 the uh, the the interesting the point I was going to make before was um, Lori Lightfoot's people have put out this notion that she was responding to getting word that a Burke and Raylo were going to postpone until the next meeting this particular item defer and publish it and that's why she said you got to be fucking kidding me and what Raylo has subsequently said is that he had when she said you got to be fucking kidding me. He hadn't, uh, and Burke hadn't released their intention to postpone. So he I'm said that they had, they had not divulged it to the city clerk ahead of time. That is correct, Senator. So uh, I, I, I've been meaning to reach out to Raylo. Uh, I did reach out to him and to bring him on the show. And I, I'm glad you gave me this because I'm going to get play for him and have him do a play-by-play analysis of I just went down, which would be a lot of fun to listen to. Uh but uh, so that's what he says. So who knows ultimately uh, what the reality is there in terms of what she was, what Mayor Lightfoot was alluding to when she says, you got to be fucking kidding me. And but, Channel 11 reporter Heather Sharon is not revealing her source. So um, we don't we can't we can't do the verification there. Yeah. It, and ultimately is probably the least significant thing of everything that went down uh, at that city council meeting. But in so many ways, it's symbolically uh the, probably the one that'll last the longest because it gets at the mayor's relationship with uh, the alderman and the city council and how she treats people that she disagrees with. Uh, and, and, how she she essentially, and she essentially orchestrated the adjournment and yes. the, uh, uh, the reconvening of the council in, in real time. So the all the business that was left outstanding got moved to Friday. Is that what you're saying? That's correct, Senator. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, wait a minute. That's my line. <laughs> Where'd I get it from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why? Why would she do that? Why not just defer the one matter? Go ahead. The This issue, which we're going to talk about, let, let's let's talk about the background. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Dennis, we're going to do Rosa next. The, the, the reason we got here is because last year, the administration asked for city council authorization to move money around in the 2020 budget to pay for pandemic pandemic expenses, extraordinary expenses. You know, they had this McCormick Place Emergency Center that they they set up, for example. And at the time, the administration wanted the freedom to reallocate budget funds without prior city council authorization. And the administration promised that whatever holes they ended up making in budgets, like transfer this money over here to open up the McCormick Place thing, it did make sure that whatever money they spent would be reimbursable by the feds through the federal CARES Act. So last year, the city council did authorize that. They gave the, the administration the freedom to do that. But before that, the, uh, the um, administration had to get approval by the council's budget committee. And we're going to get to your question about why, uh, why, you know, why did this... Uh, this thing want to get moved along by Burke and not not uh, created. Uh, but before that, 
I want to take us back in time to the June 10th, 2020 budget committee meeting where all this was being discussed and where 34, 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa questioned budget director Susie Park about what kinds of COVID-19 expenses the administration will seek to get reimbursed by the feds. Let's listen. The question that I have relates to the ongoing expenses. So that is all coming out of the discretionary funding? That is coming out of the $470 million from Treasury. The issue that I'm having is that that is just such a big chunk. If I'm doing the math correctly, I think it's upwards of 70% of the discretionary funds that the city has available to us, which is really the money that we can use for things like rental assistance. And I obviously understand the necessity of having to pay for, you know, personnel time that was used towards COVID-19 response. But I have a concern that, you know, so much of that money may in fact be going to police overtime. And it's a decision that the city makes as to whether or not we're going to spend that money on police overtime or we're going to spend it on things like rental assistance. So do you know now how much of that would be going towards police overtime? None of it is going to police overtime. And and Terminal, if you'll let me share the screen, I do have a quick PowerPoint that I can kind of go through the departments. The biggest thing is payroll costs for public safety, healthcare, public health, human services, All of these, which we have diverted due to this emergency, are all coming out of this coronavirus relief fund. So if I'm clear then from the presentation, no FEMA overtime money or no straight time payroll cost money from the CRF are going towards Chicago Police Department pay? Um, I cannot say that for fact. The police department may have legitimately incurred allowable overtime. Um, That is one of the things we're working through. Departments had to code if it was COVID-related, and we're going to audit those, but they may have had actual overtime that's COVID-related that will be eligible. So some of this $333 million that is coming out of the CRF for straight-time payroll costs, some of that may go towards CPD. Some could. You know, part of the justification that we're looking for, I think CPD is a little bit harder because their normal daily activity and kind of how we code. Fire is a lot easier because they are doing ambulance runs. And we know, you know, for the most part, you can presume that a lot of that work was around COVID. I think police is a little bit more difficult. So, you know, honestly, I can't say definitively no or yes at this moment. You can't say definitely no or yes that it'll go to police. So, Ben, I just played Rosa's comments. But mind you, this was on the heels. This was June 10th, right? It was on the heels of the protest spurred by the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. So other aldermen were clear not just Rosa, that they didn't want federal COVID-19 relief added to Chicago's existing police budget. So that that was that sort of set the table for what what we're seeing, what what just happened uh, last month. Dennis, we're going to do Burke next. Thank you. So fast forward, and I swear I'm going to get to your question, but this will answer it now. Fast forward to February 2020. The Lightfoot administration sought city council approval to take $281.5 million of its federal COVID-19 relief and apply it to the police department budget. Before we heard 14th Ward Alderman Edberg's attempt to delay approval to the next city council meeting, which, as we said, Mayor Lori Lightfoot then scheduled for two days later on February 26. So at the February 26 meeting, when the approval came up again, Alderman pushed back again, and he explained why. Let's listen. 
Still loading. Hang tight. Yeah, by the way, it's just February you gotta be 20, fucking kidding. <laughs> February 2021st. That's just just to correct everybody. Fast forward to February 2021. Go on. The, the, the budget committee, which yeah. was conducted on Friday, February 19th, Alvin Harris, the mayor's floor leader and prospective future chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois, posed questions requesting additional information regarding CPD personnel costs charged to the Coronavirus Relief Fund, CRF, which generated a memorandum from Susie Park, the budget director, which contained four pages. Page two of that memorandum contains the following statement, and I quote, the city has limited these expenses to CRF to only those incurred from March 1st, 2020 to May 16th, 2020. We can assume only then that the $281.5 million reimbursement is limited to that 10-week time frame. On page three, there's a paragraph entitled, Conducting Wellness Checks. That paragraph contains the following statement, quote, in 2020, CPD performed 16,555 well-being checks on residents, unquote. Since this reimbursement discussion is limited to March, April, and two weeks in May, we might be able to attempt to extract from the statement how many wellness checks may have occurred. There were 127 per district, and divided by 10 weeks, 13 per week per district. We know not what portion of the $281.5 million reimbursement was allocated to wellness checks. There's no data on that question. Page three also contains the following sentence, quote, CPD provided security for staff and medical resources at the alternative care facility at McCormick Place 24 hours a day. There's no information regarding the number of CPD officers assigned to this duty, nor is there any information regarding the number of officers assigned to the other sites. Page three also includes a paragraph entitled Augmenting Security at Airports. It should be noted that the annual appropriation ordinance provides for 220 Chicago police officers to be assigned to O'Hare Airport at a cost of $20,034,122 and 319 aviation security officers at a cost of $23,090,305. But what is more significant is that these appropriations for city police and security officers come not from the corporate fund, but from the Chicago O'Hare Airport Fund, an enterprise fund. Page five of the director's memorandum addressed security support for retail and restaurant establishments. And I quote, CPD responded to complaints of stores and restaurants over capacity under the city and state capacity restriction, unquote. There is no information regarding the number of responders, the districts or locations of the responses or how many there were. In short, the memorandum from Director Park provided more questions than answers. It's hard to conceive how these memoranda can justify the expenditure of $281.5 million in a 10-week period of time, providing there are no examples of how many officers were redirected from their ordinary assigned duties to augment. Augment is Director Park's word, the functions purported to justify this reimbursement. This proposed application for reimbursement should be supported by clear and convincing factual evidence 
and that simply is not the case. I move that this matter be re-referred to the Committee on Budget for further hearings and request <laughs> roll call on the motion. The chair oh, recognizes Chairman Harris. I move that we lay that motion on the table. There's a motion to <laughs> lay on the table Alderman Burke's attempt to send this back to committee for further delay. There's a request for a roll call. Madam Clerk, please call the roll on the motion. Point of order, Madam President. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. This is not an attempt to delay. This is an attempt to move to re-refer. That is the motion without bias. Thank you. Uh, mind you, I cut that way down. Yeah. Alderman Burke spoke for 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, giving complete uh, his complete analysis of why he didn't agree that this uh, this um, application for reimbursement to the, to the police department was questionable, and uh, at the end we heard Alderman Lopez state that um, he took issue with the mayor saying that this was a delay. So the answer to your question, Ben, is that the reason Burke was trying to uh, get this kicked out is to go back to committee and get more scrutiny on, uh, at the budget committee. Whereas if the mayor is a, was uh, was successful, which she was, in rescheduling the next city council meeting for two days later, there could be no reconvening of the budget committee in that time because it requires 24 hours advance notice to re-examine this proposal. So she she was uh, determined. She 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 had to do what the rules required, which is if uh, uh, two aldermen say, we want to defer this to the next meeting, she has to give into that, but she can also schedule the next meeting two days later and finish the business. So that's what's going on. I, I just wonder why all the re remaining business had to be re, uh, removed to the two days later, as opposed to just this one item. All right. Let, let, let me address uh, Ed Burke's uh, 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 recitation there. And again, good job, Dave, in uh, capturing that and uh, whittling it down from 15 minutes. Um, everybody knows that I am not a fan of Ed Burke, to put it mildly. I think he's been an abomination, uh, by and large, as an alderman, uh, going back to the days of the 80s when he led uh, the uh, pre-Trump Trump movement in Chicago against Harold Washington, and of course, being the finance chair, uh, pushing through all the stupid ideas that uh, Mayor Daley and Mayor Rahm wanted. So he's uh, been a disgrace, in my humble opinion, as a finance chair. That said, that role he was playing right there was taken straight from the book of council reformers. And you can go, he, he just shifted roles. Why? Because he cannot stand Lori Lightfoot. Why? Because she used him as a symbol of everything that's wrong with the Democratic Party uh, to get elected mayor. Uh, and then she chastised him. She called him out. She, she humiliated him. Uh, and uh, I have to admit, I, it's the one thing that she's done that I've been cheering the loudest. So it, as payback, Ed Burke said, okay, I've been paying attention to the Dick Simpsons of the world. I've been paying attention to the Marty Obermans of the world. I've been paying attention to the young Scotty Wagonsbacks of the world. I know what they say when they're questioning the machinations of a mayor. I will now do my uh, imitation of them. And he was absolutely correct. And my uh, good dear friends of the Lori Lightfoot, we love Lori persuasion, get really mad at me when I say this. But he was pointing out how Chicago was effectively taking money that was supposed to be for one thing and spending it for something else. And it's an age old complaint that reformers like 
Simpson and Oberman and Wagesback have been making for years. And so it's it's really hypocritical and inconsistent that it would come out of the mouth of Ed Burke, who has been defending this kind of policy for all these years. But Dave, I got to say, he was obviously paying attention to what the Scotty Wagesbacks of the world were doing because that was a very effective job of going through the budget to show that it's impossible or highly improbable that the city actually spent that much police, uh, that much money on police responding to COVID. To his credit, he did um, read from the memo, which I happen to have right here, (laughs) that uh, the city budget director, Susie Park, did provide to the aldermen in answer to the questions at the previous uh, week's, uh, the previous budget committee meeting, where uh, it details exactly what Burke was talking about. And then I'll read just briefly from the first page, from page one, and I quote, Um, it says that the, the reimbursement, the federal reimbursement should be for, quote, payments for services substantially dedicated to mitigating or responding to the COVID-19 public health emergency, unless the chief equivalent, the chief, chief executive of the relevant government determines that specific circumstances indicate otherwise. So that latter part of the, unquote, so that latter part of that um sentence does give them amount of wig, some wiggle room, but they really have to justify it. Well, the really, I mean, the reality is this, I put this in my column last week, uh, Dave, and this is, this is, this is how I see it. Uh, the city, the Chicago, uh, city of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her administration, their number one goal is to pay their obligations and bills right now. And so if they have to pay, uh, pay police bills with money that's intended for COVID, that's what they're going to do. And they'll concoct all kinds of uh, explanations for it, which we all know are largely inventions. And but the reality is, they got to pay the bills. If they don't, if if they don't use the COVID money to pay these police obligations, then they're going to have to find some other money to do it. Which, as Lori Life would say, would probably mean raising taxes. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa would argue, and other uh, uh, leftists. Rosanna uh, Rodriguez Sanchez as well would argue that they should not have paid those police bills in the first place. They should not have had uh, those police uh, expenses in the first place. But the, the that's like a, a moot because they do have those obligations. They didn't cut police. They did spend police money uh, in uh, at over the last six months, so they have to pay for it. And, and from so, the council's perspective, from the council's perspective, it's not for the council lack of trying to get the administration not to do that, as we heard from yeah. the, the June 10th meeting. That is correct. That was really well done. Uh, the setting up what Carlos was saying: don't spend the money. You don't have the <laughs> don't money. Do it. Don't do it. Don't they do did it. it, and then they claim <laughs> and then they're going to spend COVID. And uh, you know, it's funny. I I got to, I got. Cur- great delight out of listening to this because so many of, of Lori Lightfoot's um, defenders have been, uh, they've been counterpunching by, by pointing out what a, a, an egregious public servant, I got that in quotes, Ed Burke is, and talking about his days at Council Wars. And all of that is absolutely true. You know, uh, 
<laughs> and they also point out that um, she's saving uh, taxpayers' property tax dollars by spending this money, even if it's not intended for police on police. And I, that may be true. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that Ed Burke was articulating a, a point of view that some of these same defenders of Lori Lightfoot would have been articulating had it been Rahm Emanuel or Richard M. Daly doing this. It comes down to, do, do, does anyone who is observing this stuff feel that government should be able to act without accountability? That's really what it comes down to. Yes. And mayors will tell you ultimately, if they're being honest, and definitely I've had these conversations, Dave, as I've told you many times, with budget directors saying, this notion of that independents have of accountability is so unrealistic and so removed from the reality of trying to make obligations. I've had this conversation so many times in regards to TIFs where they've told me, Ben, we just need to have money to pay our bills. However we round up that money, what do you care as long as we pay our bills? That's a slippery slope. That means that there's no, there's really no democracy then. It's it's simply, it's an autocracy. Yes. As absolutely. I'm with you 100%. And I believe, I think most journalists are dedicated to this notion that there should be accountability, that we sh- mayors should be accountable, uh, that if you say you're going to spend money on COVID relief, you should spend it on COVID relief. Well, here's uh, the next That's thing the we're going to listen right? to. The next thing we're going to listen to may uh, lead us to where the accountability is going to take place. Dennis, please, we'll do Lopez next. Observers will note, Ben, that during the second February City Council meeting, which took place on the 26th, which we just heard from, um, we heard that the mayor admonished Alderman to speak briefly because she wanted to respect Jewish members' need to be done with the meeting before the Sabbath began at sundown. And the reason this was a concern is because um, the meeting got scheduled for 3 p.m. So if had it been scheduled easier, this would earlier would not have been a concern. But hmm. apparently uh, this didn't allow some aldermen to comment on this budget measure that we're talking about before voting on it. In fact, um, later after uh, the, uh, the diatribe by Alderman Burke, Mayor Lightfoot admitted that she let Burke talk for five minutes longer than the 10 minutes normally allowed by city council rules. So uh, she actually, so might surmise, been trying to make the time frame even more tight by letting Burke go on instead of cutting him off like she usually does with Alderman. Anyway, that's why 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez made the comments we're about to hear after the budget measure passed. Let's listen. The chair recognizes Alderman Lopez. Unless you are allowing me to speak to the item that just passed, I have nothing else to add since I was waiting before the vote as requested by you. I did not see your hand, sir, if you'd like to speak briefly. Madam President, I appreciate that. I would have liked to have made these comments before people voted because I, too, was in obvious opposition to this. A quick Google search tells me that our numbers were wrong, that there's reason to be concerned. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but clearly anyone who pulls up the interim state and local recipients' costs incurred through June 30th on the Treasury Department's CARES Act page will see that the numbers that the federal government posts are not in line with what we are seeking presented with here and now. My concern is that at some point, if the numbers are being fudged, as I believe they are, if we are not being truthful 
as Alderman Burke alleges, that this body will undoubtedly have to reimburse the federal government when the Treasury audit of how we spent our dollars happens. That should give every single member of this body pause, not knowing whether or not the federal government has signed off on all of these expenditures, whether or not the Treasury Department has given certificates to deviate from the narrow list provided in the CARES Act. To leave the taxpayers on the hook for this $400 million mistake is not something I personally want to be left holding the bag. Alderman Lopez, you've made a very serious allegation, which we do not uh, take lightly. So Alderman Lopez is warning that the feds, when they audit this reimbursement, might find that there's problems. Yeah, I uh, I think I may have mentioned this uh, to you earlier. I do not believe that the Biden administration will demand that the city of Chicago pay back this money. I believe that uh, the Biden administration will look the other way. Um, or they may actually come up with their budget uh, bureaucrats to concoct an explanation as to why the city is making the adequate expense. I believe these are political decisions. I believe that one of the intentions, intentions of uh, COVID relief that the uh, the Biden administration is trying to get through the Senate and, and the Congress is to help cities like Chicago, states like Illinois, uh, pay their bills because money has not come in as a result of uh, the pandemic. We've lost a lot of uh, property taxes, sales taxes, et cetera, and so forth. So David, I do not believe, I understand the point that Ray Lowe is making, and I'm gonna bring him on the show to articulate it himself. We can have the debate, but I do not believe that ultimately Joe Biden will demand that Lori Lightfoot <laughs> sock it to the people of the city of Chicago to make up the money uh, that Lori Lightfoot, the COVID money that Lori Lightfoot spent on police. I don't believe that, David. What are you, what's your thoughts on this? I think that there's an awful lot of uh, fraud, mismanagement, and waste that's gone on. It's, it's been pretty widely reported uh, as a result of the CARES Act funding and subsequent federal uh, authorizations of aid. And there are multiple audits and investigations going on from the Treasury Department, from the Justice Department. And I I think it might be a little simplistic to, first of all, I don't disagree that the Biden administration would be favorably inclined to you know, help Democratic-run cities like Chicago to slide. But I think it's kind of simplistic to think that that desire would trickle down into multiple um, efforts of auditing and investigation of pretty widespread fraud and abuse of these funds. So Chicago could get caught up in something like that. So you're saying there's a, a, a chance that the Biden administration will tell Lori Lightfoot's administration, you owe the federal taxpayers $400 million? I don't know if it'll come down to rescinding the entire 400k, 400 million of the uh, CARES Act reimbursement, but it might it might be negotiated down. Yeah, well, we'll see. That's uh, definitely something that's uh, a possibility. Uh, and um, if it, uh, I'll put it to you this way: 
MAGA will uh, make shine a light on it if nobody else will. Do you feel what I'm saying? The, the, uh, the Republicans who are already talking about criticizing Joe Biden and are already trying to limit the amount of assistance that the federal government gives to uh, states. This was an issue earlier with the state of Illinois when Don Harmon, the Senate president, proposed that some of the COVID relief be used, uh, distributed to the state of Illinois so they could pay down their pension obligations. I was cheering him when he said that. <laughs> it's like, yes, let's have the federal government pay off our pension obligations. Uh, but of course, you know, uh, the Republicans uh, denounced it, and I, I, I believe they will, as you are saying, uh, do everything they can to draw attention to any sort of what looking the other way by the Biden administration and an obvious deceit in the books. Uh, so, in this regard, Lopez and Burke will be playing into the hands of the Republican uh, Party uh, by calling attention to what's going on. Well, you know, I can Very take a bizarre page. political uh, game going on here. Go ahead, Dave. I could take a page from Alderman Burke's book and argue the other side that because this questionable reimbursement was for police, that those on the right might not be inclined to question this particular reimbursement. That is another great point. That that that's uh, the political dynamics to this situation are such that follow me on this. You would if the if the Trumpsters were going to make hay out of this, they would be arguing against paying money for police. Now, which if, is, it was, if it was two hundred eighty-one million for housing, then oh it might God, be yeah. another story. <laughs> That's like, a good like putting point. putting homeless people up in hotels, that would be a different story. Yeah. Well, what they're going to try to do uh, if they do make hay of this is overlooked at the fact that it's going to the police and talk about non-police budget matters as though the money was going for that. Uh, so any way you look at it, it will be uh, a useful weapon for Republicans uh, if it comes down to what you're talking about. Possibly. Well, let's go on to the last thing that I have. Dennis, we're going to do meeting next. This is also from the five, I'm sorry, the uh, February 26th, reconvene city council meeting. And it's something that's not, I don't think, widely reported. It was an exchange that happened at the end of the meeting between Alderman and the mayor. And it starts off with Ninth Ward, South Side, Ninth Ward. <laughs> I'm from the North Side, so I can't talk about the South Side. Starts off with South Side, Ninth Ward, Alderman, Anthony Beal. Let's listen. The chair recognizes Alderman Beal. When do we anticipate getting back to in-person meetings with the vaccine being widely available, Congress meeting in person, the state meeting in person? When do we expect the city council to be back in person? I will speak for myself because we haven't uh, obviously talked to the entire council about this, but you are correct. The vaccine has been offered to, I believe, all council members at this point. We need to make sure that we get the clerk's office also vaccinated. And I know the clerk has raised this issue. AIS has worked on a plan to accommodate social distancing in the council chamber. So let's have further discussions, but I would believe that we would be in a position to come back by April, if not sooner. Thank you. All right, the chair recognizes Alderman Irvin. Yeah, speaking to that particular notion, I know that uh, we may be eager to jump back into the fray, but I also think that we must be cognizant of members of the public. We are a public body, a local body, 
the most public of bodies here in our country. And I think that we should be able to meet when the people are able to meet with us as well. While I know we may be eager to jump back into things, I do think it's important for our residents and constituents also to be able to be with us when we meet. I know that may uh, push us out a little further. Ladies and gentlemen, we, I indulged the question from Alderman Beal. This is actually not, I don't think, the opportune time or place for this discussion, but it goes without saying, if we come back in person, there is a plan to accommodate members of the public also participating in person. I see that there are hands raised by Alderman Haddon and Vasquez. If you're speaking to the issue of in-person meeting, I'd ask you to defer into another time and place, and we can certainly convene these discussions. Chair recognizes Alderman Haddon. I am speaking to this issue, but we'll keep my comments short then and just say we need to have this discussion and it should be with members of this body and we haven't had it yet. So I look forward to that being convened. Thank you. Chair recognizes Alderman Vasquez with the same admonition. I agree with Alderwoman Haddon that this is something we should be able to talk to at a hearing and discuss because it is in the public interest and maybe there's a conversation about a hybrid model and I will keep it at that. I infer from all of that, Ben, that the administration is planning for the council, for the council, how the council will meet in the future without including at least some of the aldermen. (laughs) You mean including some of the aldermen in the discussion? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) About how they're going to meet. (laughs) Yeah. No, this this, this is, again, we will close where we began. You know, just like basic basic one-on-ones of getting along with people. I, it, you know, it, they're all 50. They're all, they're all in the council and they should all get a say, uh, or at least get to hear what your thoughts are, Mayor uh, Lightfoot, uh, as to when you reconvene. Uh, Jason Irvin raised a very good point. Uh, you know. Um, he don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like if the public comes in, I mean, he has his a shot. But what if you know people come to the meetings don't have their shots, and so you you create a potential a potential Trump like super spreader moment? I mean, there are some serious health consequences. We look at the public schools right now, and the mayor and Janice Jackson reserve the right to prevent any employee from going back to the school who hasn't had the shot. So if you're going to do that for the schools, shouldn't you be consistent and do it for the city council? At least you should address this point but it just sometimes seems as though the mayor just doesn't want to have to treat the ray lopez's of the world as though they're even remotely her peers or the maria haddens of the world etc go ahead dave imagine how this dynamic would be different if the mayor did not in fact chair the city council meetings right the 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 the, the, that position Uh, I I submit is she's extrapolating from that position to be able to manage this entire, uh, uh, the, 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 the the way that city council runs. And I, it's like, when, when did this happen? This would be interesting for listeners to anybody who is a a sort of Chicago historian. You can send me an email at comment at shygov.com to, to tell us when did this particular model of the mayor chairing the city council start? Because I could imagine, say, during the Harold Washington administration, if the council wanted to change that rule, they would have done it then. But they didn't. Like, it's been with us for decades. Yeah. 
I don't know the answer to that question. As long as I can remember, the mayor has run the city council meetings. And my memory of Chicago city council meetings go back to the 60s when I first started paying attention to politics. Really bizarre kid <laughs> paying it in Evanston, paying attention to Chicago politics. Uh, and Mayor Daly, Richard J. Daly, ran the meetings, and he was infamous for dealing with uh, aldermen who were asking embarrassing questions that he wanted to answer. He would t- t- have the sergeant of arms turn off their microphones. Uh, at one point, he, Dick Simpson from the 44th Ward, uh, the great independent uh, back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Remember, they, the, the sergeant of ours made him sit down because he was there's a picture of that. So uh, as long as to answer your question, that's a I do not know the answer. I don't know if there was ever a moment where the city council actually ran its own meetings uh, or has it always been the um, mayor acting as though uh, the president of the Senate that's the, you know, is, is the 101st member of the Senate. So I don't, I don't know the answer to your question. It's a great question. I hope somebody out there uh, raises, answers it, or maybe ask Raylo that question next week when he comes on, when I, whenever it is that I bring him on the show. Because if, if they just made that simple change, I think it would, it would, you know, it would change everything. And like, what are they, what are they afraid of in doing that? It's not as if, you know, the administration is going to send a couple of thugs to beat up an alderman after they come out of a bar. <laughs> I don't know. I, I actually oh, find. Okay, go ahead. Yes. I said, oh, wait, maybe they will. Yeah, maybe they will. I actually find it. Um, how do I put this? Not just entertaining, but illuminating, uh, enlightening. Uh, these debates between Mayor Lori Lightfoot and uh, her council foes. Uh, and I will say this. All of them. Are, are relatively new to the game. So Raylo was elected for the first time in 2015 and was not, I, I've said this many times, was not a vocal uh, member of the Chicago City Council in his first couple of years. He's now emerged as kind of a master of parliamentarian techniques uh, and tactics. And uh, Lori Lightfoot was just elected a year ago. I'm, I'm listening to her. I'm like really impressed how well she knows the game. And, uh, and of course, Michelle Harris has been around for a long time, so she knows how it's played. And I just, I do get a, I have to admit, Dave, it may be my weirdness, but I, I do enjoy that the, the tactics, the back and forth that go on, these parliamentary mover maneuvers. Uh, well, arguably, if they weren't doing that, we wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> and I will also say this. I One more time. Ed Burke is an abomination and a despicable character in the history of Chicago politics. But you cannot argue, ladies and gentlemen, that he was doing, he was, he was taking a page from council independence with that recitation uh, that you played. He was playing a role that the Dick Simpsons of the world and the Marty Obermans of the world and the Scott Wagaspacks of the world uh, used uh, to play. And someone has to be doing it. I admit you could have a, uh, what, a more reputable public face for that argument. You know what I'm saying? That Ed Burke, who's under indictment uh, and has never really owned up for his behavior during council wars or for helping shove the parking meter cell down our throat, et cetera, and so forth. It just shows, Ben, that there's always an opportunity for redemption. (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell tell listeners that if they'd like to hear the entire argument that Alderman Burke made, they can hear it at the Inside Chicago Government podcast at shygov.com, where I'll have uh, more 
from that city council meeting that uh, was not in the clips we played today. And as I say, that's at chigov.com. And on Facebook, people can go to facebook.com slash insidegov. That's G-O-V. And on Twitter, at C-H-I-G-O-V-T. That's all I've got for today, Ben. All right. Well, that was well done. Great job, as always, uh, Dave Glowatz. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk to you next month after the next city council meeting. Thanks right? to you and thanks to Dennis. Adios. All right. That's great. That's a great Dave Glowatz. Uh, D, that uh, was instructive. We stumbled at first a little bit with our uh, connection, but it all worked out well. Have a great day, guys. Thank you, Dave Glowatz. And I want to th- say thanks to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of George Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. The man that Dave Glowatz, Lori Lightfoot, and Ed Burke all finally call White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. together and we marched together after the murder of find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader